Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, America and the entire world. This is Billy Jones, a.k.a. BJ, the host of BJ Speaks, a conversation with right here on Everyday Folks Radio. Today is Sunday, January 28, 2018, and it is a beautiful day here in South Florida. The weather isn't too cool. It's yet not too warm. The humidity isn't stifling, and I am here in the studio with someone pretty amazing. If at any time you'd like to speak to me or my soon-to-be-introduced amazing guest, you may call in at 347-539-5372. Again, that call-in line is 347-539-5372. And if you're shy, even though you're not in, your in-, in my inbox, you may email your questions, comments, and requests to everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. Again, that is everydayfolks with an S, listen, at gmail.com. You can also find links, hyperlinks to all these things on my website at billypauljones.com. Just a few announcements and special requests. Firstly, this year has started very well for everyday folks, and we are now on our 115th episode. So thank you to all the listeners from those who listen live as well as the others who download our shows through our archive, whether it be from the website or through iTunes. Thank you for your continued support. We now have a strong 4,000-plus listeners listening at different time zones and locations, and we do this all for you, the everyday yet extraordinary individual. So thank you for your love and support. As well, this coming uh, week, if you, did, if you missed NDKS's show on a journey into passion yesterday, don't worry. You can find it in our download and our archive as well, where she had a great conversation with Coach Anderson, and she started a new series. That series will be continuing for the remainder of the month. There is a follow-up to that series coming up this coming Saturday as well, for those of you who'd like to participate, which will actually be the first February show of 2018 for Everyday Folks. So thank you for your support and her work and the work that our K-pop team is doing as well. Our Keep It Up With K-pop team will be back this coming Friday with a new and exciting show as well at 1 p.m. as well. All of these times, by the way, you can find at BillyPaulJones.com. Just a couple of things as well. For me here, uh, it's been very busy. Spring is always a busy time, and I'm sure our, our special guests will have the same uh, connection. But just an, an FYI, for those of you who reside in the North Miami and Broward County areas, Broward College, of which I serve as faculty, we're hosting our fourth annual Festival of Music, Film, Literature, and Art. And we have, for the week of March 19th, one week only, we have 13 events that are slated to occur, from, from speakers, panels, two film showings or screenings. One is Fidelandia which documents uh, the, I, the post, pre- and post-Cuba, where it is, where it's going, pre- and post-Castro, as well as a conversation about one of the college's great works that all the students are reading, which is titled Spare Parts. So there will be a great conversation, and the amazing Maria Gabriela Pacheco, who you probably see on CNN, and my former high school, high school student, actually, she and her husband will be at the college on Thursday, March 22nd, to provide reflections on the book as well as the theme of the festival, which is titled Crossing Borders. We're looking at this immigration dilemma, and I'm, no, I'm not one to censor my thoughts. I think it's ridiculous what's happening in the world regarding it, and I stand by all of the immigrants who helped build and create this incredible nation. So come out and hear what she has to say because she's lived it. 
and her family nearly dealt, uh, nearly were deported as a result uh, about 10 years ago. She now has the field, and they now live the American dream, but their work still continues. So come on and support us in that regard. If at any time during the show, we have a couple of giveaways here. Our guest artist, who you will be meeting shortly, has brought a couple of his works here today. And the title of those work, his work is called Pushing Down Daisies. I'm referring to the amazing Mr. Nadine Caps, a.k.a. Mr. T, as known in Miami. If at any time you'd like to be entered in our drawing for a book, enter or enter in your email the thoughts for daisies, or when you call in on our live line, if I catch you, mention the word daisies in your question or inquiry, and we'll enter your name and your drawing. Those of you who are entering emails, please make sure you provide a mailing address too. And for those who are on the live line, naturally follow up by sending us your email address so we can enter you in the drawing for one of the two works. So I've spoken enough. I'd like to read more about our guest. And here's a bio that is posted online, and I truly want to give this incredible man homage for what he does. Nadim is the author of Pushing Down Daisies, Poems and Illustrations, a poetry collection. He is also an artist and educator. For nearly 20 years, he has channeled his energy into his creative talents, from canvas to print. In his latest work, he captures the whimsical and unforgettable moments of childhood and grade school. And I'm so glad you're here to join us for this exciting segment of America and the World, because guess who's sitting live right here in front of me is the amazing Mr. T. Welcome, Mr. T. Thank you so much, Billy, for having me on the show. I'm very, very excited to be here. We're very glad to have you here as well, Nadim, and I'll tell you why. A couple of reasons. One, because you're just awesome, and you're one of my dear friends. And secondly, because this is a platform to celebrate creative great people like yourself. So these questions that I have for you, I have to always say this to my listeners. We try to get to every single one, but because Mr. T is so popular and several of you are already sending in emails and questions or shout-out requests, I'm going to do my best to make sure I recognize some folks who may be familiar to you, as well as balancing the time to those who may not know you. So here's my first question for you. As a writer, there's a process to get this stuff started. So what started your interest in writing a book? Why did you write a book? Well, I wrote a book because I feel that there's so many moments in life that, in retrospect at the time, may not be as humorous. But if we take a step back and look at it, we can add whimsy to almost anything. And I felt that there was something missing from those books that were coming out that just didn't take people back in that humorous way the way it was supposed to. So I felt I wanted to do something about it. Um, I sat down and I thought of moments in my childhood that I can uh, add some whimsy to. A lot of them happened very much the way I wrote them. And also uh, from my students. My students, uh, the stories that they would tell me or or that uh, we'd experience would allow me to say, hey, this is a good story. I'm going to turn this into a poem and I'm going to put it out there, and hopefully years later when they read it, they can take a step back and, and laugh at what happened. We all, you can hold that, we all actually have so many incredible stories, right? Yeah. Stories of our childhood in, in our grade school years, some good, I, more good than bad, yeah. because we made it, but yet some unforgettable. And, folks, I've read this book cover to cover, so I have personally read and enjoyed every poem. In fact, it was about a month ago, we were on, on holiday during the winter break, Nadim and I sat down and we talked about this work and we reflected upon it. We had our own creative hour that day, creative hours, actually. So out of all of these works that you produce, it still takes time and a process to make poems or make things work. So could you walk me through that process? Like what was your process to put or commit ideas to paper or to computer? So basically I would think of a situation. I said, okay, okay this is a situation and pretty funny as it is. But what's it missing? If I was looking at this situation, taking a step back, what is something that I can add to it? Where's that that whimsical Willy Wonka type to that situation? And I would say, okay, let me write down what the situation, how it actually occurred. And now let me turn around and let me add something funnier or uh, something more creative to it to kind of bring forward that humor and that retrospect because some of the the poems are, are not as humorous. They're more serious. But they are retrospects, some funnier, some sad, but 
Yeah. I'll share an example, for instance. Um, one of the top works in his book is called Chocolate Bar, and it would be of the greatest honor, Mr. T, if you could read that work live on the sure. I'll do that. So right here on Everyday Folks is Mr. T about to read one of his memorable works. And after we read it, after you read it, of course, I've got a couple questions for you. Sure. Go for it. All right. So the poem is called Chocolate Maker. When I woke up this morning, much to my surprise, my dog was making candy. I saw it with my own two eyes. I took a bite of this delicious creation and then went outside and set up a station. I sold candy to all the kids on my block. One kid complained that it was as hard as a rock. My dog was a candy factory, and I am going to be rich. My dog's candy was my new favorite ditch. But when I asked my mom if she wanted a taste, she had this awful look on her face. She screamed and yelled and sent me to my room and told me that if I came out, I would be doomed. Finally, my mother explained that my dog wasn't making chocolate for me. And then she asked me, son, did you also drink his pee? (laughs) (laughs) I have to share. That was one of my favorites because it it had a, it embodied not only three verse, but they were elements of like the contemporary limerick. Like you took the limerick form and made it something very different. And it was fun because how many times can we recall as children doing stupid stuff? And, and, even as an adult, I still do stupid stuff. It, it, the boy in me never dies. Right. And so did you find those moments as well as you were writing? The boy in you never die, or at least you had to go talk to him in order to understand yeah. the work? Yes, absolutely. I, you know, I consider myself a kid at heart. I go to comic cons. I read comic books. Um, I'm a big nerd when it comes to those things. And I think that all of us have, a, you know, our, our youth somewhere still inside. And still in, in touch with it. So when I uh, when I write these poems and I read them and they were and they were funny to me, I was like, yeah, as a kid, we did stupid things like this. And I remember situations where things like this would happen or similar to this anyway would happen. And it always takes me back. Well, I have to share with you. There are a couple of shout outs coming for for you. Let me read this one for you. It's not a request, but it's a shout out. It says, "Hi, my name is Natalie. I'm a student of Mr. T Tabs, or as we call him, Mr. T." I would appreciate a shout-out to the 8th grade Cambridge class at the John I. Is it John or I? John I. John I. Smith K-8 Middle School. Thank you, and have a good day. <laughs> That's fantastic. Thank you, Natalie. And to all my students listening, current students and former students, uh, you guys are truly uh, my inspiration, so thank you for listening in. Nadine, here's another question for you, and this is one that actually requires a response. It's from Karina, who's here in, in Miami, Florida. What inspired you to write the poems and make the book? So we talked about the process, but we didn't talk about the inspiration or motivation behind it. So my, as far as that goes, uh, my wife is uh, always supportive of me, and she's the person that tells me, you've got to go out and do this because uh, you're creative. And, uh, you know, she, she always – uh, makes me go forward with any ideas that I have. Mm-hmm. So that support is always there. Inspiration to actually write the poems, I find it daily within my students. My students um, make me love what I do. My students drive me nuts, but I love them at the same time. And it's from that that they inspire me to write and to take a situation that may not be as funny and make it uh, flip it and make it more humorous. <laughs> I have to tell you, everything that inspires see, people don't re- recognize us, writers and creative people, folks of the creative arts, everything about us is of value, from the wind, how it blows, mm-hmm. from how it caresses our skin, to the food that we taste or the voices that we hear. All of these things mean, are significant to us. And it's funny because in that last poem you just read, you were able to embody all of those sensory details in that poem, which I think is quite remarkable and quite hard to do. I like poetry, but I love writing short stories. Whereas we had this conversation yeah. where you love poetry yeah. and you like doing other aspects too. Here's a question coming in from Nelson. Nelson from Miami. I need to know, Mr. T, it's your student Nelson. I need to know when is your book coming out and do we have homework? Oh, and hi, world. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Nelson, for that question. <laughs> All right. So my response is I never give homework, and my students know that, other than to study. 
the book is actually already out on Amazon. It's available on as an ebook or as a paperback. You simply go to Amazon and type in Pushing Down Daisies or my name and the book will pop up. He's <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. Here's a question coming from Natalia from Miami, Florida. How long did it take you to write this book? Okay, so I actually started writing the book in 2012, and that's only where I wrote one or two poems. And then as some time passed, I would add another and another. And as the years passed, I looked and I said, oh, I actually have quite a collection of poems. Uh, It's not something where I sat down and said, I'm going to write 20-something poems in this particular day. It's a process. It was whenever I felt the muse, whenever I felt uh, inspiration Mm -hmm. to do so. Mm -hmm. It was picking and choosing those moments to say, now's the time where I want to do it. So truly, I started writing in 2012, and as the time passed, I started adding to it and adding to it till I felt, okay, this is complete. This is um, a couple years' worth of work that I slowly pieced together when I chose those careful moments. Ah, so what you just shared is very true. I find every, a lot of poets say what you just said, Adeem. It takes time to write great poetry. Just because you write the poem, you go back and revisit, you make edits. But also, too, you're in different stages and moods and seasons of your life, so new ideas come as a result. So it is very different, poetry. In fact, I find that to be the most rewarding, if not challenging, of it, because you have to write a lot of it in order to bring the collection together and to see the theme come to fruition. And I, did, did you have the theme in mind? Like you knew I wanted to write a book about this topic, or did you just start writing poems and eventually the topic came out, like the title, for instance? Well, what happened was I wrote one poem, and then shortly thereafter, I wrote another. And then I wrote a couple more, and I said, you know what, this has a very whimsical aspect. And one of the things that I felt that it had in common, it was just the the act of living, okay? And, uh, you know, the term uh, pushing up daisies is used when you say somebody's passed away. It's an old term. They're pushing up daisies. So I titled my book Pushing Down Daisies as far as so it can be the opposite. This is showing this is a celebration of of humor and life at a young age. Mm, very thought-provoking. Here's a question coming in from Jameson from Atlanta, Georgia, ATO representing. Thank you for listening. Of all the poems in your book, which one is your favorite and why? That was a tough question. That's a good question. <laughs> and thank you, Atlanta, for, yeah. for emailing in. That's fantastic. Um, I want to say that one of my favorite poems is called Bad Circus. And it's basically a poem that depicts uh, somebody who goes to a circus, their parent takes them, and their parent is not very happy because it's a terrible day at the circus, and they weren't happy that they spent the money. And the reason why I find it to be one of my favorites is because it kind of reminds me of uh, my father growing up was very uh, thrifty. Okay, so let's call him that. So as a kid, I wanted – we grew up very poor. As a kid, I wanted a million things, and I couldn't get them. Uh, But they they gave me whatever they possibly could. And so it's kind of – whenever I read that poem, it reminds me of my father in a humorous way, and that's probably why it's my favorite. And I have to share one of my other favorites, which I think is one of the more solemn Mm -hmm. in tone, is the one called Look At Me. Mm -hmm. I remember that poem, and – any kid, I, I, I remember in my, in my family having cousins who didn't get the same type of love and attention that I received. And so I always felt that that poem spoke to that community. Yeah. I, I, and I could observe that with my own then four eyes, still today four eyes, in terms of what that looks like. And I, I have to say that was one of the most moving of the poems to me because a lot of them are fun, but people have, we have to realize that as children there are dark hours. Yes. Yeah. And that as children, you may not fully grasp the magnitude of what you're going through, but it happens. Yes. And so I appreciate your acknowledging that. Here's another question for you. This one's coming from Amanda. Um, why did you, and I think Amanda's from Miami, Florida, so I think you may know this person. Why did you want to be a history teacher and not a literature teacher? And a shout-out to your first period. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, obviously Amanda's one of my students, yes. Um, okay, so... I actually used to teach language arts um, and reading. My, I do have a master's degree in literacy, okay, so that the, I do have the background in 
literature. There's something about history that I feel is just so intricate. I feel that history is something that, you know, we always say, oh, it's history. It's in the past. It's, it's already set. But that's not true. History changes all of the time. What, yeah. we, what we thought we knew before, we no longer know. So that whole process of finding out what we were told in history when we were a child and what the truth actually is, I just find that whole process very interesting. And I feel that teaching history and teaching uh, government allows me to have very real conversations with my students about um, just life and history. So I, that's why I enjoy it. Uh, you, here's an idea, Nadim. You just made me think of something. So I always tell students that history in itself, there is we know the ultimate truth of the outcome, but there's great subjectivity in terms of how history is conveyed. And so, for instance, if I were to retell my experience after visiting Halloween Horror Night last yeah. September, my version may be very different from a friend of ours, their, their version, because of the fact that they, they experienced it in a different way. But, it, but one thing that is still true and still holds the truth, we had the event. Right. We were there, and we each have an account of what that looks like. And at, at some point, the subjectivity gets challenged by objectivity because you have a younger audience who is more easily impressionable mm-hmm. and inspired by the things that you do. So, therefore, when you present it, you have to present it in their terms. All of that, does that come out in your writing? Do you find yourself in conflict with what is perhaps being objective, like in some of the tones of your work, mm-hmm. or versus subjective being opinionated? Like, how do, you, how do you wrestle with that, if at all, in your own writing? Well, I do, I do wrestle with certain things in my own writing as far as um, being objective, for certain things. So I'll take a situation, I'll say, okay, maybe this was a situation that happened to me, but let me take a step back and see how other people would have seen that situation and try to write it from their particular point of view. That way it's not just a biased one side type of thing. You see the chance to bring all those perspectives. So I'll share with some many of the listeners, as having read the book, the book is universal in terms of gender. So it's not more boy-laden or girl-laden. It represents all the childhood experience, regardless of who you are, what station you come from. You had to go to school, and there are episodes that I'm sure that will resonate with you when you read the book. In fact, this is my pitch, folks. Get the book. It is available on Amazon. Get your copy now. I'm sitting here looking at a really beautiful, awesomely bound book, along with cool illustrations. And the illustrations, I, I always tell the dean this all the time. I am so jealous of you because you can not only write well but also draw. You can illustrate, and that is a gift in itself. So here's a question actually coming in from Denixia from Miramar, Florida. Thank you for listening, Denixia. What advice do you offer to others who want to write their first book? Uh, I'm an educator as well, and I want to publish, but don't know where to start. Any tips for her? Yeah, and and I can relate to that question. Thank you for the question, by the way. And I can relate to that because I kind of went through the same thing uh, some time ago. Okay, I I have this. I want to write. Where do I start? Where do I go from there? Um, When it came to writing poems, I started off writing one, two, and then see where it was going from there. And then once I felt I had something complete, then it was kind of looking up and seeing what's the best option for me. And, and nowadays you can get flooded with all of the types of self-publishing and that sort of thing. You try to, if you try to go to a larger publishing house, you are going to need a literary agent, and that's a whole process within itself to even find a literary agent to pick you up. Um, self-publishing for me was kind of the way to go. There's a lot of formats today through CreateSpace and Amazon that give you that voice, which is why I love it. It gives you a voice to otherwise authors that wouldn't have been heard because they have to chase down a large publishing house. So my advice to you would be think of the theme or the idea that you would want to write. Start planning it out and start piecing it together. And once you feel that you have a complete project, give it to everybody you know to read. Take the criticisms. Take the critique. Change it. Adopt it to what they're telling you to do because in the end of the day, they're your audience. And once you have that, then start looking for a place where you feel you're the most comfortable putting your book out. Mm, well, great advice. In fact, I had to share the Nixia. Above all, what he, I did with everything that Nadine just said, do it. Make it happen. 
And my theme this year, as Nadine knows, is be stronger than your excuses. And so, therefore, if this is the year, make 2018 your year, right? Make it your year. Here's another question coming from Michael from Orlando, Florida. He wants to know, what other art forms are you working in? Which do you enjoy the most? Ooh, that's a tough question. Um, okay, so my, you know, my students always tell me that my life is a mystery. They feel like they don't know the other side, like the the aspect of the writer and the artist and all that. So as far as other art forms, I do enjoy uh, painting quite a bit. I do uh, graffiti, uh, contemporary abstract work. Um, I mostly sell my my artwork online through eBay. Uh, I just I paint something however I feel, and I put it up there, and it's actually been quite successful selling. So as far as that goes, I uh, illustrate the books that I work on, my own stories, and I do art to canvas, you know, um, paint to canvas type. Uh, I also, for my classroom and for other people's classrooms, I'm constantly painting and drawing for them and creating posters for them and stuff like that. I am so (laughs) jealous. I mean, you hear all this great talent this man has, and, and I have to share this. For those of you who are listening, you're listening live now with Nadine Taft, author and creator of Pushing Down Daisies, right here in Everyday Folks Radio with me, Billy Jones. I would say call in, but your emails are coming in, but I'll give you the call in line once more. If you call in, if you'd like to speak with Nadine or me, the call in line is 347-539-5372. Again, that number is 347 347- Five three nine five three seven two, and I see that they're not shy, Nadine. Here, <laughs> I'm gonna give you some more shout outs, and some of you are speaking quite uh, creative. We wanted to know more information. Okay. So Amanda wants to know which is your favorite period. Please take <laughs> first period. Shout out to your favorite class. We all love you. Um. Okay. So I'm not. I'm not even sure. <laughs> um. I care and love all my students, current and past. It's so difficult to pick a favorite. It's like saying, uh, what's your favorite food? Well, I like a lot of favorite foods, so it's hard to pick just one. So I know you want a concrete answer for that. You're not going to get one today, but thank you. <laughs> well, Nelson Divas wants to say something. He says, Nelson, again, I don't, and don't worry, I'm not leaving here. It is a question. What was my, the inspiration of the book? Because you mentioned it earlier. You may want to recap it again. And why is that your inspiration? And then here's another side. Oh, and my audition was great. Don't worry. I did my best in High World again, and you're meeting a future award-winning Grammy Award winner. (laughs) Well, that's phenomenal. I'm glad his audition went well. Um, So kind of to recap, my inspiration were experiences from when I was a child. Uh, My students inspired me to write stories. My wife encouraged me to uh, follow those creative aspects when it comes to the writing and when it comes to the art, because the truth is I'm my own worst critic. I paint something and people love it, and I'm very critical of it. I write something, people enjoy it, I'm very critical of it. I think as creative people, as authors, we're harder on ourselves sometimes than we should be, but it's just part of the process. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Alejandro Hernandez wants to know, um, hi, this is one of Mr. T's students, and I wanted to – and to ask, did you ever think you would be right here, right now, releasing a book? That's a very good question because it's one thing to have the dream of it, but you now have done it, and that's very moving. There's, there's, I'd like to hear your own words. What do you think? I agree with her question. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, actually, I never thought I would have published a book. Um, been an aspiration of mine for a very long time, but I've never done it. Uh, until now, I've always, you know, kind of worked on side projects. Oh, I want to do this and I want to do that, but I never really mm. did it. I never thought I would be at the moment where I would be able to publish a book, but it's long been a goal of mine. So I'm happy to say that in 2018, I was able to to reach that goal. And here's a question. I mean, these questions are coming in so viciously <laughs> <laughs> in a beautiful way. Nigel from Miami, Florida, wants to know, have you ever considered making a comic book or or a graphic novel? And if so, what would you do or create? Thank you, Nigel, for the question. So, yes, I've thought of uh, doing a graphic novel in the past, especially since I'm a a huge superhero fan and I'm a very big comic book fan, as I know you are as well, Billy. Um, So I have thought of it. 
what it would actually be about. I always found it interesting that some of the, the superheroes that I find the most compelling are the superheroes that don't have powers. So those superheroes that are just an everyday kind of person, an everyday folk that just decided that, you know, and maybe today I'm just going to stop that from happening. So like like Batman doesn't have any particular uh, superhero powers. I mean, he has gadgets and stuff, but he doesn't have any powers. I always found those superheroes to be the most real, I suppose. So if I were ever to do a graphic novel or a comic, it would be about about somebody who not, not, doesn't necessarily have any superpowers, but it's just an everyday folk and uh, does not just have to be a male because there's a lot of male superheroes. Could be a female superhero. Could be, uh, yeah, could be a, yeah, a, a tag team of a male and female superhero. So, yeah. I never thought of that. I mean, now you may be saying, yeah, uh, the ones I think were so cool were the ones who can control elements of nature or disappear, reappear, drain powers, steal powers or souls. You know, those are always the fanatical ones, but I think the ones that we all often overlook are those who are just right and can live very much lives like ourselves. Right. And so you're absolutely right. And there's one person I could think of, a teacher. A teacher with superpowers. I'm like, Mr. T, you should be the comic book character. You know, just a thought, just a thought, just a thought, nonetheless. Tanya from Ferguson, Missouri wants to know, where can we follow you in your work? Um, you are very inspiring. Well, thank you very much, and uh, shout out to Ferguson, by the way. Thank you very much. Um, to follow me, uh, so I have a website, and that is nstabsch, so N-S-T-A-B-S-C-H dot com. Uh, you could also follow me on Instagram. Uh, so Instagram is just ntabsch. Okay, so N-T-A-B-S-C-H. And on there I'll post um, how this work is currently going and any future works that I have in mind as well. You have a ton of questions coming in. I'm going to try to get to them all. Camila wants to know, what is your favorite line from the book? And she's here from Miami, Florida. My favorite line from the book. Um, Man, that's a tough one. My favorite line from the book would probably have to be, um, man, it's hard to say. Um, Give her attention. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, the question is a very good question, you know, and it's hard to pick because of the way the the poems are written. It's very hard to pick one in particular, one specific line from it. But um, I will say that there are messages in it. There's an actual the name of the book is Pushing Down Daisies, but there's an actual poem in the book called Pushing Down Daisies, and that would be where probably my favorite line can be found. Aww. You know what? I like that response because it is true. You have one of the most original titles. Thank you. You can't miss it. You can put it in. It's easy to recall. From a marketing standpoint alone, you did well, of course, for the creation. So the questions continue, and I'm bouncing all over the place here. So the next question comes from Natasha from Austin, Texas. I'm a single mom with two kids. I have always had the dream to write, but I can't find the time. Between work and the kids, there's never enough time in the day. What do you suggest in order for me to get started? Thank you, Natasha. And that's a problem I think that a lot of people face nowadays. And and even when you do have the time, you're exhausted, and you may not have the energy to want to write. And it's very difficult, obviously, uh, being a single mother with two kids, to find the time to do those things. But uh, Billy and I were speaking a few weeks ago, and we said, you know, we ourselves find ourselves in that same dilemma as far as where is the time. I think that if you set aside, if you can set aside a time, it doesn't have to be every week because that may not be plausible, yeah. but at least once a month. And it does not have to be an hour. It can be 20 to 25 minutes. This is my time. And whatever happens, nobody is going to interrupt this time. And even if those 20 and 25 minutes you have somebody – uh, watching the kids for you, whatever the case is, I would take those 20 and 25 minutes and just do you in that time. This is what I want to put down. This is where I start. It's not trying to write it all at once or anything like that. Finding the time of two and three hours at a time, that's almost impossible to do in the world we live in. Everybody's busy. So I would say at least set a, a, a bracket amount of time per month where you can just dedicate to yourself and to your writing. Mm, great advice, Nadim. I, I have to agree with that. Carving out time, and you got to find time to carve out the time. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to do it, 
You better listen to Nadim. It, it needs to get done. So here's another question coming in from Nidia. No, actually, Jose from your home role. So Jose right from Miami, Florida, we thank you for all of your support. We love driving you mad, and it's one <laughs> of my favorite things. But you do really make our day. And one question. Why in the world did you never tell us that you were writing a book? I'm insulted. Have a great day. <laughs> um, well, like I said, my, my students accuse me of keeping my life a mystery because I don't tell them about these, you know, the, the writings and stuff like that because uh, really I kind of hyper-focus on them. I want to make sure that they are getting my full support and whatever it is that they want to do and that I'm backing them up. So my – you know, my creativity part kind of just, I, it doesn't come out yeah. as far as, hey, kids, I'm writing a book, or hey, students, I'm writing a book. Um, I, I focus more on my students for that aspect because I want to inspire and push them more. I want to concentrate on their accomplishments, you know, as opposed to mine. But yeah. I still want them to know that they are connected to me through my writing. Mm. That's very significant, and I think that's a great segue to this next question. So I had two questions that came in. One was from Carlos from Denver, Colorado, that asked you similar questions. So thanks for listening, Carlos. But then this other question comes from Miami, Florida, so I'm going to package them. Okay. And this one comes from Michelle Manfrini, yes. a past student, and she asked a very important question. As your writing career kicks off, Carlos asked the same, would you ever leave teaching in order to pursue it? All right, thank you, uh, Carlos from Denver, for that question. And Michelle Manfrini, yes, definitely, uh, definitely, yeah, Michelle is one of my old students. She's phenomenal. So thank you for your question, Michelle. Um, as the writing career kicks off, would I ever leave teaching? I love what I do. Uh, a lot of times in what I do, especially now with the book, I'm split in many different directions. For now, I will do both for as long as I can juggle them because I love teaching too much to walk away from it. And uh, it, it's a heavy question. It's hard to, ask, to to answer that. But, you know, basically for as long as I can do it, I, I would like to continue teaching. But as the book takes off, it's, it, it may become more and more difficult as time goes on. That's a very – and I think that's an honest response because you never know what may happen as you come to that bridge. But guess what, everybody? Mr. T is still here to stay, Okay. <laughs> Rebecca asked a question earlier from New York City, New York. You already answered it, so I won't repeat it. I'll repeat it so that we can acknowledge it. We just mentioned the, the, the story behind your title, and you gave a great rendition. So thank you, Rebecca, for your question. Since you are listening, I'm assuming you got the answer for it. But Ginger from Atlanta asked the following, what is the secret behind your success as a teacher and an author? So that's a very interesting question. I think I'd like to take that one. You could even think about it for a second if you wish, because that's a really – now, it, these questions that you, they're asking are ones that make you really put the mirror up and see you, because the world sees you one way, but how does Nadim see himself? And that's deep. So your response here is probably going to be just as deep. Yeah. <laughs> if not, see you later. We'll come back to it. <laughs> that is a deep question, but it's a good question. Um that was Ginger? Yeah, Ginger from, from, from Atlanta. Thank you, Ginger, for the question. Um, okay. When it comes to being successful as a teacher, I measure my success within my students. Are they happy? Are they learning? Am I there for them when they need me? Yeah. If I cover those things, yeah. then I consider myself a success. No matter what uh, test scores may show or anything else, you know, it's very important for them to feel motivated, for them to feel supported. If I'm there for them, then in that aspect, I'm a success. When it comes to the book, mm -hmm. if I brought joy to even one person from reading it, then I consider myself a success. But I will also say I'm very hard on myself. Um, I have over 100 students, and I try to be there for everybody. And if there's a time where I feel that I wasn't, I, I take it to heart. Oh, I really do. What a great response. So, oh, this is why Mr. T is so loved. And all of those of you who are in so privileged to have had him or sit in his classroom, it's truly an honor to find people who went to school to do what they enjoy doing and continue to do it for nearly two decades. So congratulations to you. This next comment comes in from Omar, Omar Terencone. Yes from right here in Miami, I believe. 
Um, I would like, I'm going to read what he says because it's beautiful. I would like to recognize the dean for the artistic nature that dwells within him and for the kind, good-natured person that he is. A few years ago, I needed help with a story I was writing called, so I immediately sought out Nadim, who processed, who proceeded to co-write the story with me. His contribution was invaluable. He is a master storyteller and a good friend. Thank you. Thank you, Omar. That was awesome. Um, something else my students probably don't know. Uh, some time ago, I was working on this the Safari Turbo that um, that Omar is the, the creator of, and uh, we went through the process together of writing a story, a, a complete story to go along with uh, uh, some game development that he has in place. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it, it was a great process, and that, that's such a great comment, and I'm honored that he took the time to, to write in. So I appreciate it, Omar. Thank you. And, you know, I, I wanted, Nelson um, asked, how do I talk in the radio show? Because I want to ask more questions. <laughs> I'm already calling the number, but I can't talk. Oh, and it's Nelson. So this is the question that I have for you because there are some callers online, and we've been so busy trying to get the emails. I mean, the emails are going crazy, so we apologize. We have 20 minutes left in our segment with Nadine. Nadine, you're so popular, we have to bring you back because it's just that <laughs> you just get it popping and lit up here in everyday folks, and it's, apparently, it's apparent because you are very popular locally. And everyone who's listening around the globe, many of you may not recognize this, but this show, we get over 4,000 listeners from the live show, they're probably a little over 2,500 right now, but also from the downloads through iTunes or from the website. So if you ever miss a show, you can go back and download it. You can upload it. You can, um, you can also um, share it on all of your social media feeds. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing we're going to do. I'm going to see if I can get one of these callers in on the air because there is a question coming in. Hello, caller. You're live on the air at Everyday Folks with BJ and Nadim. With whom am I speaking? Hello? Hello. How are you? Hi, this is Claudia. Hi, Claudia. We have you live on the air. Would you like to ask a question? Uh, yes. Well, he is such an inspiration, uh, Mr. Tadash, is such an inspiration to especially the group of students at that age group which are teenagers, which is such an important age group. And I got my book this weekend. I love it. And I know he talked about possibly a comic book character, uh, the future Super Mr. T, but uh, is he planning on maybe doing some short stories geared to that age group as well? Because he really knows how to reach them, and I think it's a group that we need to reach um, in this day and age, an extremely important group that we need to reach. I think that's a great question, Claudia, and we thank you for listening here to EF Radio. Nadine, what do you think? Well, Claudia, thank you so much for calling in. I appreciate you listening. Thank you for ordering the book. It's great to hear from you. Um, so I actually am in the process of writing a chapter book for middle-aged students. Okay, so I'm actually in the process now, and that would be the book that would be following this one. It's not a poetry book. It's just a, a, a book geared towards experiences in yeah. middle school. And so I'm currently working on it now. Uh, whenever I find the time, which is difficult. And thank you so much for calling in. I really appreciate it for listening. So, and we thank you, Claudia, as well. That was a great question and reflection. Because also, too, often we don't recognize the types of things that we do with individuals and the impact we have, and others see us in so many different ways. Here's a question coming from Emily. Hi, Mr. T, Emily, Elizabeth, and Sophia. Uh, me, from your second period, we're all very thankful for everything you have done for us. Also, please say that second period is the best part. You have motivated us to keep pushing in school, and you're the best teacher ever. I know we are your favorite period. We love you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, second period, so much for listening in. in. Um, You know I'm not going to commit, right, to saying that there's one period that I love over the rest. Uh, but still, thank you guys. I, you know, I'm, I, I'm glad that you enjoy uh, the class. I'm glad that I can make, uh, hopefully, making your middle school years just a little bit easier and a little bit funnier. So I'm, I'm glad that you guys are enjoying. Thank you so much for listening, and it means the world to me. Oh, all love. And I got more questions that are coming for you. This is from Benson from Jacksonville, Florida. So, what has been the greatest challenge? and publishing this book. And what has been the most rewarding? And we'll take both extremes. Okay. 
so I'll, I'll go ahead and start uh, with the most challenging. Okay. The most challenging is believing that I could produce something that somebody else would want to read. Because when I started it, I did it for myself, just to see what I could do with it. Mm-hmm. And then once I had something complete, I said to myself, well, is anybody actually going to want to read this? Right. I mean, granted, my friends would want to read it, and they'll give me encouragement and support. But further than that, would a stranger pick up this book and read it? So I had to kind of gain the confidence. That was the biggest challenge, to gain the confidence in myself. I said, you know what? I just need to put it out there and see what happens. And then the most rewarding part is um, when you receive in hand the actual published printed book. And you're like, oh, wow, I created this. And no matter what happens, I will forever have been somebody that wrote and created this book. Oh, and there's something. There are no words to describe that moment when you unbox your creation and that it will now forever be more memorialized in the world long after you're no longer on this earth. It's very powerful. There are a couple of questions coming in from folks from Tampa. Diana from Tampa, Florida wants to know, what does your family think about your book? And where did you get your art talents from? Like for, for me, for instance, I know my father, rest in peace. I get a lot of my artistry from him. My mother is much more scientifically driven. And so as a result, I acknowledge my artistry and creative arts side of me from him. So where, what does your family think about your abilities, and where does your inclination lean toward more than other, if you can identify it? Right. So as far as – thank you for the question. As far as what my family thinks of the book, um, I'm not sure. I know that my family, uh, they encourage me, but, you know – when I think of a uh, family, my family are not people that are just related to me by blood. My family are um, my friends. My family are my students. Um, so it, it's not just as far as biological family. Um, they support, you know, uh, me writing and they support my talents, my, you know, uh, my extended family as well. And um, I forgot the other question. I'm sorry. No, the same question is so – out of the family who, who okay, you asked the first part. The yeah. second part was, who do you follow after? In terms of oh, family? okay, right. Like, is it mom or dad? Or is it, yeah, uh, good I don't know that is a good question. Um, well, as far as um, artistic ability, you know, when I was a kid, which I don't know if it's even done anymore, my mother used to do ceramics, hmm. okay? So she used to go to ceramics and she would paint them and she would um, – you know, put them in a kiln and and all that stuff. But honestly, from a young age, I just kind of enjoyed tracing. I just enjoyed the process of tracing. And even though it wasn't my original work, I was just tracing it, I enjoyed the coloring. When I was in high school, I took art for all four years and enjoyed the different aspects of it. It was just something that I just leaned towards. I found it fun, but I also found it like a mental getaway for me. Wow. And I still do. When I paint and I do something like that, um, I find it, or when I'm writing a book, I get immersed in that, and that for me is kind of like, okay, this is me going through my process, and I kind of find it very relaxing. You know, you, did that, you were talking about art, and Stephanie right here in Miami, Florida, wants to know a very important question. In your own words, what is your definition of art? Yeah. Well, I don't think that art can be a uh, defined as a a very cookie cutter, this is what art is. Art can be a lot of things, okay? Uh, Entertainment is art, singing is art. These are all different forms of art. I believe, I guess the best definition I can give for art, art is anything that you put your creative edge on that other people can enjoy or other people can retrospect and look at. And whatever means that may be, whether it be writing, whether it be um, painting or fine arts, Uh, entertainment. I believe that art is whenever you use your creative abilities to put something forward, that's art, whether people like it or not. I think you should put that on a t-shirt. Like that last line, seriously, that last line was really beautiful, you know, you know, that's a beautiful line. People don't recognize that art is all around us, from the colors that we choose in our cars Mm -hmm. to the type of design of a comforter that we'll put on our beds. Mm -hmm. That's art, and we need art. And this is an actual call to action to those who are in school districts across America in particular who want to defund art and not support yeah. the arts and electives yeah. related thereto, the industrial arts as mm-hmm. well. We need those things. And 
the idea of being able to daydream and create is there's value to that. Mm-hmm. And there's research to support the value of it. Yeah. And not only for children, but adults as well. So I have to say thank you for that comment. This next comment actually is from Denton from Hollandale Beach, Florida. It's actually a question. Another deep one, what do you feel is your greatest achievement in life mm. as of now? Mm. Denton, that is so wrong. <laughs> I mean, because I'm thinking, too, Denton, you're good. But I'm thinking, too, like, wow, I, I, that's, I'm, not, I'm glad this question is not for me. <laughs> but, no, but seriously, what is your greatest achievement? I don't know how to answer that. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not sure I have an answer for that, to be honest. And that's okay. I, I really, my greatest achievement, uh, I don't know. There's. Well, I mean, a lot of people will look and say, oh, but you've achieved all these things. Which one is um, I mean, my greatest achievement, I guess, is just trying to be a decent person. Because yeah. <laughs> so sometimes decency, especially in the world we live in nowadays, is lost. So to me, that's, you know, if I can get up every day and, and give my students my all, that to me is my greatest achievement. Mm-hmm. If I can, uh, you know, just be the best me that I can be, I guess. But to pinpoint it to one, um yeah, Denton, thank you for the question, but I'm kind of stumped on this one. Yeah, I, 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 and I have to say, Donna from Tampa, Florida, you asked the question, what do your students think of your writing? I think it's pretty clear by the responses <laughs> what they think of not only the writing, but also of you, Nadine. And I think that what the greatest achievement in life for me, if I could offer this too, is the fact that I'm still above ground, breathing, and effectuating change in others. And I think that achievement, and that others can categorize everybody I have touched and come in contact with you right yeah, now, yeah. family, friends, different others, uh, the trees, mm-hmm. birds, the cats. You know, all of these things are very significant, and the fact that I'm able to engage with them yet another 24 hours, yes. that's something to celebrate. I agree. It is something to celebrate. So your question is, at your it's the last few questions, are actually geared toward your future. So let's talk about the future stuff. Okay. Right. So now, for those of you who are listening, this is DJ. You're live here on Everyday Folks Radio with Mr. Nadine Tabs, a.k.a. Mr. T from Miami, Florida. And we've had a number of students, and we had a lot of call-ins from different uh, – a call-in, um, one call-in. We've got, gotten a lot of emails from folks across, around the nation. So Miramar's question from Davey is a good one. So – we know what's next. We got to push this book and get it to number one. But where do you see your talents in the future? That's a very deep one too. So I thought I'd take the answer, whatever you want out of that. All right. So as far as what I expect from the future uh, with my talents, but I agree with you, obviously getting this book to where it needs to be. Uh, But moving forward, I would, you know, this is not a one and done. I have planned on writing several books, and yeah, yeah, and I want to continue to do that, yeah. and uh, and I want to continue to push them forward. And uh, you know, I discussed maybe the middle school book that we was discussing when I uh, since I'm in the process of writing that one, I do not have it in my brain as a one and done. It's going to be a, a series. So a series is what I'm looking at next, which will take some time, but it'll be uh, well worth the wait. And, you know, I have to tell you, Mr. T, that we're going to be here waiting for it and supporting you. There was a question that came in earlier for one of the, the viewers. I'm trying to find it because I actually pasted it. When I get these questions, I try to paste them in another file because I like to save them later because my inbox gets slammed with lots of questions. Um, this question is one that relates to, hold on, let me find it, promotion of the book. Okay. Greta from Miami, Florida. She wants to know what have been the challenges, if not challenge, in promoting your book. And I just, she said she just published recently and wanted to learn the best. What are your recommendations? So any challenges? I'll talk about mine as well, but I'd love to hear yours first. Well, I think that the challenges are are just getting it out there and then having people seeing what's out there. I will say that when it comes to promotion purposes, we live in an age where promotion is easier because of social media. Now, I, I today, as a matter of fact, created an Instagram account uh, for the book, and that's going to be one of the means I use for promotion. But obviously, uh, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, all of those things, that social media is your friend. 
if used properly, you can get a message out there and you can get a book out there or any type of creation that you're working with. So I will say that nowadays it's a lot easier um, as opposed to going to maybe the small mom-and-pop bookshops and then trying to set up there. Um, online social media is probably the best way to promote. And I'll also add to that. Everything you said I agree with, I'll add. Even now, coffee shops are now becoming great places for pop-ups. Yeah. Uh, so we're no longer just in bookstores. We're in, in, in boutiques. Yeah. We're also in flower shops yeah. even. So, And, in fact, when I look at Pushing Down Daisies, what a clever way to get it in some boutique or flower shops and florists mm-hmm. where people actually buy, you know, yeah. the flowers. Why not slide this in there as well too? So what Mr. T has just said is true. You have to get in where you fit in. And the key is start local and then you move globally. And so there are a lot of questions coming in. Um, uh, Your students want to know something. And we're going to go ahead and clear this myth right now. They want to know who is your favorite period. So uh, you know how it is. I remember when I was in middle school, we all know that homeroom was the best period. But uh, they want to know who is your favorite class, like your favorite class. They are really trying to corner you on this one. What do you have to say to this question? (laughs) Um, Well, my students know that I teach civics, which is part of government, right? So my response to your question is I plead the fifth. (laughs) (laughs) And that, my friends, you will probably learn in one of your civics classes in terms of the value of that particular right that we have as national citizens. So I have to agree with you. But I also have to say it's already near the end. We have four minutes remaining. And I just want to say thank you for an incredible show. This has been a lot of fun. (laughs) And we actually got through, I counted, you had about 20 questions that we were able to get through from those who were online. I'm gleaming the list. I mean, you hit every single one that came in, actually, Uh, from the challenges to the frustrations to the joy to the favorites. (laughs) We've done a lot here. And if, if, if someone were listening right now in the view had just tuned in and missed an incredible 55 minutes, and if they could hear the one few words that they hear from you at the end of this show, what would you like to offer to the world? And it could be about anything. It doesn't have to be about publishing. It could be about any philosophy of life, living, whatever you like. So I'd like to hear that. Okay. So what I'd like to offer for the world is I believe – that we should leave this world better than what we found it. And that includes tolerance of people, of cultures. That includes uh, being human with one another and being uh, decent with one another, despite what you see uh, in popular media or whatever the case is. Um, We have to leave this world a better place than what we found it, because if not, then what are we doing? We're just in a cycle. We need to try to improve the quality, our quality of life, and that of the people around us. And we could do that through, and, and you know, there's the, you're not always going to be happy, but we could do that through uh, joy. We could do that through, um, you know, trying to be there for people. And, and that sometimes that's, you know, easier said than done. But I would definitely say just try to leave this world a better place than what you found it. And, you know, I want to add as one final thank you. We also have to continue to be pushing down those daisies, okay? <laughs> and Pushing Down Daisies, everyone, is available right now on Amazon. And I know many of you have Internet because if you're listening to me, then you can access your Internet while you're listening to us. <laughs> so please go there today, purchase your copy, read it, reflect upon it, share it, share the love. And we're, we know, Mr. T, this is not the last time you're going to be here at EDF no. Radio. So we thank you so much and wish you all the best. And for all of our listeners and listening, you know, it's funny. When we have shows like this, you never know what may come out. I always have in my head a sense of what the outcome will be, that it will be great. But each, even as much as you plan, you never know what will unfold. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, you just go with the flow. Mm-hmm. And that is the nature of what Mr. T is, is worth and what he values in life. But also he celebrates life by celebrating the, the feelings, the interests, and ideas of others. So thank you for capturing through your incredible work, spoken piece. Thank you as well for listening to Everyday Folks. This is BJ, your host. Thank you across the globe for the love. Next Sunday at 3 p.m., I will be back with another exciting segment. So look out for that promo by midweek where we'll be interviewing another exciting author. 
And this Saturday, uh, which is February 3rd, if I'm not mistaken, will be another segment of Journey into Passion with Anike S., where she will continue with her segment as well, her series. So we thank you so much for all your love. Tune in and download any of the shows that you may have missed. You can listen to them all from any mobile device or computer right at BillyPaulJones.com or by subscribing on iTunes, available everywhere. Take care and have a great day, and take care of yourself. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.